we're going to get right into it. Last week, uh, we, we did a, a little walkthrough of the seven steps to building a godly home, right? And you, you start with finding the right dirt, right? You want to build that home on the foundation that is Christ, all right? And on, on the bedrock that is Christ. And, and when you build the foundation, it's, it's actually doing what you've committed to do. You've committed to build on the right stuff, you start building the foundation on Christ. And that's all about you and the Lord, right? All your other relationships are going to work a whole lot better if, if your relationship with the Lord is, is on point, right? And if you're submitted to him and walking with him, he's going to help take care of some of the other details, all right? And so we walked through the steps of that, and we got all the way up to marriage, and we ran out of time, so we said to be continued. So we're going to look at that really quick, and then we're going to shift gears from that, and we're going to talk about something that every single relationship needs. Because if you've had a relationship with anybody, a friendship, uh, a parent-child relationship, if you've, had, if you've known anybody and ever communicated with them, somewhere along the line you've disagreed with them. Right? Anybody ever have disagreement with anybody? Okay, and if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar, and, and now we have a disagreement. <laughs> so welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. And we're going to talk about conflict resolution. Right? That's a, a fancy way to say arguing and fighting and disagreeing. Okay? That stuff happens. That, that stuff's normal. It's actually part of relationships. But how do you get through it? How do you get through it the right way? What, what is the right way to do it? So let's go ahead and look at um, marriage. We're going to start off. There, there's, there's just some details. Do we have the picture that I didn't show? Okay, so all the other pictures were like we saw a hillside or whatever or some dirt and a guy was surveying and then there was a foundation built, and then there was framing for the walls, and then the roof went on, and if, I mean, we had the ugly green with the wood floor. And then, you know, marriage is kind of like, now you get to furnish the home. This is the fun stuff. You've done all the hard work. You've taken your time. You've done it right. And now you just get to furnish the home. And if, after a while, you don't like it, you have the freedom to change it together. It's, it's awesome, right? Jenny and I, we had plans before we got married, we were engaged. We were like, okay, we're going to have probably, you know, you, you have a couple of siblings. I have three. Let's have four, maybe five kids. You know, that was kind of our plan. And, and we had the first one, and, man, we were really good at being parents with one kid. And, and we thought, you know, this is pretty easy. We're on, we're on par for this plan. And then number two came along, and we thought, and we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> so let's change the plan. We had the freedom to do that because we were furnishing the home together. This was the, the fun stuff, right? Living together and, and figuring out life together because a lot of the other things had already been established. That doesn't mean we did everything perfect. We, we made plenty of mistakes. We have plenty of baggage. We have things that we work through still because of some of those decisions we did or didn't make. All right, but, but now we get to make those other decisions and then God decided we would have Weston too and that was awesome, so we're thankful for that. Uh, that wasn't part of the, the, the furnishing and the plan. God, God adds some furniture sometimes too, and it's awesome. Um, so how does that all work? The Bible gives us specific instructions for, for what, a wife is supposed to, what a wife is supposed to do and what a husband is supposed to do. We're going to go through this really quick because we've covered some of this stuff uh, when we were in Ephesians. A wife is supposed to submit. What does that mean? How? How is she supposed to submit? Uh, the Bible tells us that she's to submit as the church is subject 
to Christ, right? What does that look like? It looks like honor and respect and following his lead. What does the church do in relation to Christ? The church is called the body of Christ. Christ is referred to as the head. Where he looks and goes, the church should go. Well, that's what the picture is, right? The, the wife should follow the lead of the husband. Um, we find that in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 22 says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. All right, and, and that's, that's a difficult calling in the day and age that we live in. To say any woman should submit to anyone, anywhere, is, is very taboo today, right? That's just unacceptable. That's, that's just old-fashioned. Well, that's, that's what God has called Christian women to, right? That's what he's called Christian wives to do. And, and to Christian husbands, he says that, that we're supposed to love. How? We're supposed to love the way that Christ loves the church. And, and a lot of ladies probably think, well, what's up with that, guys? We gotta submit. All you gotta do is, is love. Well, God knows <laughs> it requires a commandment to get guys to love, right? Because naturally, we're just in a box. We're just doing what we do. We're focused on ourselves. We don't consider anybody else. And God says, hey, fellas, I want you to love. And ladies say, well, that's not fair. That's like automatic. And guys are like, no, no, that's not, that's not automatic. It takes some work, all right? Submission and honor and following takes work for ladies. It's not a natural thing. That's why God says, this is what I want you to do. Loving and leading and protecting and knowing your wife Man, it's, it's really easy for guys to just get lazy and sit back and let life just keep happening. I'm guilty of that all the time. But when I read this, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to actively love. And how, do, how am I supposed to do that? What does that look like? It looks like sacrifice, right? It, it takes sacrifice. If I'm going to love my wife the way Christ loved the church, what did Christ do for the church? He gave his, his own life for the church. He loved the church so much that he gave everything. He sacrificed. He cherishes the church. He pursued the church. He knows everything about the church. It's a lot of work on both sides. Nobody gets off easy in that deal. All right, and we see that in Ephesians 5.25. It says, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Right? That sounds a whole lot like what we've been seeing, doesn't it? The first great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your wife as though you're loving yourself. Put your wife first is what he's saying before you put yourself, right? And, and, and once we get this ring on, it's the weird thing that happens is we get lazy, right? And, and, and we'll talk about some of the, the conflict and the different things that, that we see all through that. So last week, we, we laid out the order of all the relationships. We start with the Lord. We, we saw how the, the nuts and bolts work together. And 
you know, we had some strong suggestions based upon the groundwork that we've already laid, right? We, I, I didn't have Bible verses for everything that we said, but we already laid a lot of foundations so that we could just say those things and keep moving, and we're like, yes, that's exactly what the Lord wants us to see, all right? So what if, what if we're not perfect? What if you're like Jenny and I, and you're not perfect, and you've made mistakes? What do you do? What if you're, you're normal, and I, I think everybody's normal in here-ish, right? We're all pretty normal. What if you're normal and you have conflict in relationships? What do you do? That's what we're going to talk about. And, and I'll go ahead and give you the first blank, and, and we'll go ahead and pray. Conflict has an origin. Right, We've got to know where this thing comes from so that we know how to deal with it. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, uh, we are thankful for your word. Uh, we're thankful for the awesome picture that the church is of marriage. Uh, we kind of flew through that stuff, but, but we do know that it, it takes a lot of work. It takes submission to you and your direction uh, when it doesn't feel natural, um, when it's easier to take another way. But, but we do desire uh, the relationships that you've promised. Um, we do desire to, to build our relationships on the rock, and uh, we just pray that you'd continue to help us do that. And tonight, I pray that as we look at this topic of conflict, we would figure that out for every relationship in our life. And maybe we just right now think about who are we not getting along with? And let's get to the bottom of that. Who are we fighting with? Is it a friend? Is it, is it a coworker? Is it a boss? Is it parents? And, and let's, let's take it to you, Lord. I, I pray that we're able to take it to you and, and get our eyes and our hearts corrected and uh, we'd be able to move on beyond it. Uh, Lord, we do love you. We thank you for your word and just ask that uh, you'd be glorified and that uh, we'd be led. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so conflict has an origin. It has a beginning it has a source. Letter A, the source of most contention, and contention is just another fancy word for fighting. The source of most contention is pride. And this shouldn't be a surprise. If you've ever read Proverbs 13.10, it says, only by pride cometh contention. Right? Where does war come from? Pride. <laughs> Somewhere in... I mean, it doesn't take very long to, to, to dig through history and, and, you know, Napoleon. Was Napoleon proud? Was any world leader proud all along the way that thought they were invincible, that thought they could take over other countries? I mean, it's just pride is everywhere, right? Read, read all the, the battles throughout the Old Testament. Pride is the source of contention. It's the source of fighting. fighting. Uh, Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride cometh... Then cometh shame, right? Poor communication can, can cause hurt feelings. Pride and hurt feelings together can cause us to demand something that's not ours. Vengeance, right? When, when somebody steps on your toes and you've had your feelings hurt, when, when you combine that with pride, what do you do? You demand that things are set right. You demand vengeance. You demand justice, Proverbs 12.4 says, A virtuous woman is, the, is a crown to her husband, makes him feel like royalty. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. And this works both ways. Right? If somebody's offended you, it doesn't have to be a guy, it doesn't have to be a, a lady, it doesn't matter. If, if you've been offended and you're demanding justice so that the other person feels shame, right? 
It says it's going to rot their life away. It's going to rot, rot them to their bones. Right? How many times here, I'll ask a question this way. How many times does you being right actually improve your relationship? I, I think that's a pretty good question, right? How many times, because we like to be right. Pride says I'm right. How many times that you've been right have you both just felt so much better about each other? It's like, yeah, I'm so glad you're right all the time because I'm just stupid. And, I mean, then that's the way you feel, right? It doesn't, it doesn't help at all. When getting justice is your top priority, considering the other, other person's feelings is not. Right? If you want justice, you don't care how they feel. You want justice. If your desire is for the person that hurt you to feel the same or feel their shame, now your pride is the cause of continuing that contention. Right? It, it could stop there, but, but I'm offended now. I won't let it stop there. I'll offend you right back. And pride goes back and forth like ping pong, right? We play the ping pong the ping pong. <laughs> I don't play the ping pong. I don't know how to, I don't have reflexes. Man, what a weirdo. Pride will just keep it going. Uh, there's a, a, a book called Love and Respect. That the author calls it the crazy cycle. You know, you've offended me, so I'll offend you right back. And you've been offended now, so you'll offend me right back. And let's just keep doing this. This is a fun game. No, it's, it's miserable, right? And then you end up saying things you never intended or felt in the first place, and, and, it, and it's just a downward mess, right? Proverbs 18.8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. This is, this is talking about gossip. Why, why do we gossip? There's really only one reason. It's, it's pride. There's two sides of that, right? Either to make somebody else feel bad or to make me feel better. Or, or both, by default. Why do we gossip? It's selfishness, right? It's, it's self-serving, it's pride. All right, and, and, and all of that kind of stuff happens in relationships because of pride. Letter B, another major contributor is, is lust. And this one, I think, is also kind of quite obvious. Galatians 5, 13 through 17 says, For brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, this is that contention, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would, all right? There's, there's war going on inside of you. It, it only makes sense that when you butt heads with other people, that that's a lot of times just spilling over from your own desires, from your own lust that's at war with you. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, uh, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members, right? And he goes on and talks about, you don't, you're not even getting your, your prayers answered because you're, you're asking so that you can consume it upon your own lusts. 
your own desires. Wars and fightings come because you want what you want, you don't care what anybody else wants. It's not just pride, it's, it's uncontrolled desires. Romans 7.22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, in my body. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's saying, hey man, I, I've got the same thing going on. Right? I've got this war, this contention, this, this battle going on inside of me. When I butt heads with other people, it's because my lust is spilling out, and I'm making bad decisions. I'm making selfish decisions. Proverbs 18.6 says, A fool's lips enter into contention, into fighting, and his mouth calleth, calleth for strokes. Do you ever want to punch somebody? Because <laughs> they just say stupid stuff. Right? I don't think that verse is, is justification for you to do so. But it might be okay to, to feel like he deserves it. I don't know. Foolishness at its core is disagreeing with God. Right? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So foolishness is against God. Foolishness is always going to be in contention with what the Lord says to do. All right, so, so conflict, fighting, arguing, disagreeing is just life, right? Jenny and I, we, we see a lot of things differently. I've said this before, and we don't fight about it. Not, not every fight is because we disagree. A lot of times, it's because we disagree, and later on we find out one of us is being prideful, or both of us, and one of us is, is giving into what we want right now, or both of us, right? The, the, the contention, the fighting, may have started with the disagreement, but, but we kept it going because we weren't submitted to the Lord in, in those things. So how do we deal with this? Number two is conflict resolution. All right, so it, it only makes sense. If we're gonna be able to resolve these things, conflict resolution if, if one thing causes the problem, maybe, and, and in this case it's, it's true, the opposite is, is what we use to solve the problem. So letter A, humility removes contention and allows you to be heard. Right? Humility is what removes contention and fighting. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. How many, how many arguments where you've, you've had to be right and, and the other person has had to be right, it just keeps escalating, doesn't it? If, if I'm offended because you've been offended because I've been offended and we're just going to keep it going, if somebody somewhere says, okay, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore, and, and you can say it peacefully without storming off and slamming a door or whatever, I worked at Great All for 17 years. I had a, a boss who was, he was a great boss. He was about this tall, and he was full of fire, man. <laughs> and so he'd call you in the office, and he'd be screaming, yelling, yelling, and, and you'd just say, well, I did that because uh, I was working on this, and then uh, you had asked me to, to work on that. And he'd yell and yell and yell, and I'd say, well, I, 
I was working on this, and then you pulled me off and, and had me work on that. And he's like, okay, cool. How are you going to fight with somebody who's, one, one day he said, you don't get excited about anything, do you? Yeah. I said, well, I, I get excited about some stuff. It's just got to be worth it. And Jenny says the Browns aren't worth it, but. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I don't know that he's worth it, so. To be determined. All right, so a soft answer. How are you going to fight with somebody who's not escalating? You, you, it's not possible, right? But grievous words stir up anger. Romans uh, 2.15 says, Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. This passage is talking about the downfall of the mind, the taking over of the mind by this world, right? It's talking about people that, that know what's right, they know what God expects of them, but they walk around in life and they make excuses. And they walk around in life and they, they accuse other people for the problems that they've got in their life, all right? And, and God says, man, that is, that is the downfall of morality. If you can't own up to what is yours, what you've done, man, you're going you're, you're gonna to end up in, in total depravity. Your mind is going to be totally given over, and it's because of accusing and excusing. And this is the diff- difficult part about humility, is not pointing out when the other person is doing it, right? It's really easy to see when somebody's being prideful, or, or their desires are in the way of you two getting along. It's really easy to see when it's their fault. But what Jenny and I have found is it's like a 85-15 rule. She's, she's only guilty of 15%. And the rest of the 85 is mine. Well, maybe it's 95-5. But it's, it's never, it's, it's hardly ever just one person's fault. It's hardly ever just one of our pride being the issue, right? And so what do you have to own up to? You have to own up to 100% of what is your fault. If you're only guilty of 20%, per- I don't know how you figure that out mathematically. I don't, it, the point is it doesn't matter, right? You're guilty of something in, in this contention, so humility says you've got to own everything that's yours. And, and it sounds easy, but when you're feeling prideful, everything hurts, everything's frustrating, everything makes you angry. How do you humble yourself, right? But that's, what, that's what's required, right? If, if you're going to resolve conflicts in your life, you're going to have to take ownership of 100% of whatever it is that's yours. 1 Peter 5, 5-7 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What if, on rare occasion, you're 100% innocent, and, and you want justice you humble yourself before God, and in due time, it says, he will exalt you. 
when, when he's ready, when, when it's his timing, when he works all the details out. But, but Lord, I, I want them to know how much they hurt me now. Well, it's not time. Because it's not about your vengeance, it's not about your name, it's not about your justice. I've got a plan. And, and all this is actually doing is making you more like me, isn't it? That's not a terrible thing. So if humility is the opposite of pride, and it is, love, letter B, love is the opposite of lust. If pride and lust are what cause our contention, it makes sense that humility and genuine love are the solutions. Love puts others first, and it allows you to move forward. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many of you, you know that's true? How many of you have ever had something said to you that, that just completely discouraged you? I, I think we've all had those things. How many of you have had somebody say something so encouraging that, that they just believe in you that, man, it just gives you life for the day? Right? When, when somebody trusts in you or believes in you or, or just says, I love you or shows you that you, they love you, the power of your tongue can show love or it can take life. Right? You can remove courage from people. Proverbs ten twelve, Hatred stirreth up stripes, fighting, but love covereth all sins. Right? Man, if, if there's something that we're fighting about, that we're disagreeing about, genuine love, genuine love's going to be able to forgive that, isn't it? Genuine love's going to be able to move past that because it's more about you than it is about me. I'm offended, but, but it's more about you than it is about me. We saw this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice is, is wicked intent. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And it, it takes a great deal of both humility and love to forgive somebody that's hurt you. I mean, it, it certainly depends on how bad the wound is, how deep they cut you, how, how long they've repeated to do that, you know, continue to do that. But there's nothing that Christ has held back in his forgiveness of us. And he calls us to the same. So who are you going to be angry with and for, refuse to forgive long enough to keep that contention going? You see, conflict resolution is all on you. You want, you want a con conflict to end, you want to make it through a conflict, you need to own up to it. What if they don't own It doesn't matter. They're not your responsibility, you are. Your response is your responsibility. Your portion of this disagreement or whatever wrongdoing is 100% your responsibility. You've got to take ownership of it. So, all of this is connected to communication. And that'll be our third thing that we look, look at here. And, and we're just going to look at improving our communication. This won't take long. 
And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at the first married couple. We're going to look at Adam and Eve. We're going to look at some contention that they had, not necessarily with each other, but they had major contention with the Lord. Right? The, the, the original sin, the fall of man, put them in, in major contention with the Lord. And so let's go ahead and look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. And what we'll see here is how all contention goes, right? When we feel ashamed, when we feel guilt, when we feel fear, we lash out in these ways, the same ways that Adam and Eve did. So let's look at that. It says, And the eyes of them both were opened, this was after the sin, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and, and made themselves aprons. So that for the very first time, they feel shame. They've never felt it before. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee? that thou wast naked. Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above the cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So it looks like if you stopped here, God says, Adam, what did you do? Why are you wearing them leaves, buddy? Weirdo. <laughs> well, I was naked, and so I covered up. Who told you you were naked? She did it. She gave me. Oh, what did you do? And Adam's like, whoo, I got off easy. I just passed the blame to her, and God's on her case now. What did you do, Eve? Well, it's the serpent. He, he beguiled me. He tricked me into this. And so God turns to the serpent and says, you're going to be on your belly. And, and he starts laying out some punishment for the serpent. And Adam and Eve at this point are probably like, did, did we get away with it? No, because he's not done, right? If, if we stop there, excusing and accusing works. That's always our, our reactions, isn't it? Uh, if we look down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, jump down a few verses, it says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, curses is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return." All right, so they didn't get away with it. It didn't work. But in this little story, we see our reaction almost every time we get caught. 
red-handed, right? Every, we see the contention between man and God. Every time we have contention with somebody else, we feel shame, we feel fear, we feel guilt, and our responses are these. The first thing we want to do is we want to cover up, right? Adam, this whole weird, was naked, now he knows. It's all about the shame that he's feeling. And what he does to cover his shame, right, or to deal with that shame is to try to cover up. And when we do something wrong, we want to try and cover it with something else. We want to, want to try and change the, the topic. We want to try and cover our tracks by blaming whoever else we're arguing with. Or don't we? Have you ever done that? Somebody points out a flaw and you will say, well, you think I'm bad, you should look in the mirror. Because you got your flaws too, right? And, and when we feel fear, just like Adam and Eve, we hide. <coughs> and, and I didn't say it, but this is, this is our natural reaction. So we need to recognize what's natural. I missed that blank, sorry. In recognizing our natural responses, we feel fear. Most often, this is, this is something that guys do. We hide from our responsibilities. See, the way it works in, in relationships, if you're, if you're talking about a, a, a man and woman relationship, God has set it up specifically in marriage that the man leads. We saw that already. And when women feel fear, generally, they try to take control of the situation. And when men feel fear or, or when men feel shame, they give up the reins. You, you take control. I don't, I'm just no good at this. We feel sorry for ourselves. And we let go of the responsibility that God has given us. And, and ladies, out of fear, take control of what's not yours. Right? He, he said that her desire would be unto Adam and then Adam would rule over her. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be two as one. And then we feel guilt, and when we feel guilty, that's when we start blaming and excusing everything we've got going on. We accuse and excuse. So I've got a statement on your sheet. It says, um, none of our natural responses will resolve disagreements in life because these are all connected to selfishness. You see, we, we all do these things. It's just, if you, if you have ever been around little kids, watch them get busted doing something they're not supposed to do. They're going to do these things. You know, who left this mess? Not me. <laughs> I can remember making messes and then hiding messes. Not cleaning them up, just, just hide the thing so you don't get in trouble for it. It's always my brother's fault. It's always somebody else, right? None of our natural responses will resolve disagreements in our life. So letter B, we need to allow God to do the supernatural, right? The natural doesn't work. We've seen that all through this study. If you want what the world's got, do what the world does. If you want relationships that can be resolved, God's way, you, you gotta go about it God's way. It's got to be in humility. It has to be with love. 
So we've got to do the supernatural. So the feelings that we have are the same. We, we feel shame, we feel fear, we feel guilt when we're wrong or when we're in contention. The actions is what has to be different. So instead of covering things up that we've done wrong or, or we've disagreed about, we need to clean those things up. And we've seen in Ephesians 5 what the husbands are supposed to do. 5.25 and 26 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. So how do you clean up your mess? You get into God's word and you let him scrub you clean. Right? You get into God's word and you let him, instead of trying to cover up all this thing, you just be honest about it. Say, okay, God, that's not right. Okay, whoever I'm arguing with, this is not right. Let's, let's take this to God's word. Let's see what he has to say about this. Let's just try to be humble about this. And when we fear, instead of hiding, hiding a lot of times is, is the same as lying, right? You hide something, let's just put it out in the light. Let's just be honest. John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Right? You won't feel fear. You'll feel, feel freedom. And when we feel guilt, we can take ownership instead of casting blame and making excuses. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, or one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And just take ownership of what wasn't right. Take ownership of your 100%. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he, Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Satan wants you to feel all of those things, right? And, and all of those things are a part of life. We feel shame, we feel fear and guilt. They come and go, you know, because we make mistakes. And sometimes we feel those things because circumstances come that, that are totally out of our hands. And, and you're called to respond to them. Sometimes you respond right, often we don't. So what do you do? You've got to respond the way that God calls us to. Satan wants you to feel guilt and defeat. There's another sentence on your, or a couple sentences on your sheet. Satan wants you to feel guilt and defeat. God wants you to know conviction and hope. That's completely different. That's completely different than, look, if you're guilty, you don't have to feel guilty. You can feel convicted. That means led to be corrected. Right? Any time that God shows you in his word that you are wrong, he's not showing you you're wrong so that he can just blast you with it. He's showing you you're wrong so that he can help you correct it. Remember, you're looking in the mirror. You're seeing yourself. You're seeing him. He's saying, man, I want to make you like my son. I want to make you beautiful like my son, and that's not beautiful. We have contention, you and I, is what God's saying. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to respond in humility? You're going to respond in pride. You're going to respond to fulfill your lusts, or are you going to respond in love to the loving Lord who's pointing it out in the first place? 
<clears throat> so maybe, maybe you're saying, Matt, you don't understand what I have to go through with this person that popped in my head when you first asked. They're selfish. They treat me badly. If I do all the, the things you're saying, they're, they're going to walk all over me, and they're just going to keep walking all over me. And, and look, there's, there's some relationships that, that are just unhealthy and, and probably you shouldn't be a part of. But if there's no getting away from the relationship, if it's a boss, if it's a parent, if it's a sibling, right? If it's a friend you want to stay friends with and you're being mistreated, you, you do everything right and they still don't respond, what if you're just treated unfa- unfairly? Honestly, if, if I'm just thinking about that, that sounds a whole lot like Jesus. That sounds a whole lot like the treatment he got. So it sounds to me like you're in pretty good company. And, you know, back when Ginny and I were dating, I can remember a time when, when I had this perspective of, you know, we had a disagreement. We didn't, didn't fight or argue much hardly at all when we were dating. It was just this one thing. I don't even know what it was. But I went home thinking, you know, God's going to use this in my life to, you know, to, to help me. This is, this is like, I'm, I'm more like Christ in this, this opportunity because I felt that she was wrong. I, I don't even remember what it was, but I felt that she was wrong, and God was going to use it to, to chip away something that shouldn't be there in me. And, and I look back on them like, what an idiot. I felt like I was some martyr <laughs> in some disagreement with my girlfriend right? When there's actual real problems out there, (laughs) and we didn't have any of those. And I thought that I was being like Christ, and I was just being selfish. (laughs) Man, how terrible would it be if you actually had to suffer and love somebody else who didn't love you in return? While you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If, if we start living a life, when contention comes along, if we start living a life that actually looks like Christ, we're not going to worry about being a martyr. We're going to worry about being humble, and we're going to worry about loving others. And all of those other things are going to be resolved. And if they're not, to Christ be the glory. Because that's what it's about. You want to solve conflict in your life? Make it about him. And you're just going to worry about yourself less. You're not going to be as prideful. You're not going to be wanting to fulfill your your lusts. You're not going to take those things out on other people. You're going to sacrifice for them. You're going to take it because it's just not worth fighting over that, whatever that may be. We said before, self-defense. It's awesome in Taekwondo. It's, it's just not something that Christ has prescribed for Christianity. We're to follow him. First Peter, we're going to end here. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 24. Servants, be subject to your masters. This is a, an employee relationship with all fear. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. That's evil. He's saying if you got a good boss, you know, you should be subject to him. Oh, and if you got a bad boss, that's where, you know, 
There's no getting out of it, he's saying. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your own, or for your own faults, you take it patiently? He's saying it, you don't get any credit if you're wrong and you get punished. He's saying it really means something when you're punished and you didn't do anything. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. What were his steps? Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He said when he was reviled, he didn't stand up for himself. When he, was, when he suffered, he didn't threaten anybody. Jesus Christ had all power at his disposal. Right? Remember when the, the soldiers came to take him and, he, and they say, you know, are you Jesus? Are you Jesus Christ? And he says, I am. And they drop to the ground with two words. He could have, he could have taken care of business. Right? He could have wiped us all out and said, forget it. They're selfish. It's not worth it. But he didn't. He didn't threaten. He committed himself to him that judgeth right, righteously and figure that out. It's, it's himself, but we're to do the same, right? Who is the righteous judge? Is it you? Have you been appointed the one to set everything right? Praise the Lord, I, it wasn't me. <laughs> I'd make a big mess. Contention comes from pride and from lust. Resolving contention comes from humility and true love. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, You do make it clear. These are not easy things. Um, It sounds easy, but I certainly struggle with it. And and I'm sure we all do at different times. And so, Lord, we're just asking that in every relationship that we have, friendships and, and parents and uh, brothers and sisters and boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever it is, husband, wife, Lord, help us, help us truly to put you first and put them before ourselves, whoever, whoever the other person is or the other people are. This will certainly resolve all conflicts. You are worth it, Lord, we want to put you on display, and if we're f- treated unfairly, Uh, We're going to humble ourselves and and let you pick us up because we know you will. It'll be in your timing and it'll be for your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.